Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael DePontina. I'm Rohan Nagri, joined today by a very special guest. This is this is an episode for all the people in the reviews who are like, this show has gone downhill. Uh, all the people in the reviews who are like, this show sucks since Rohan joined. Uh, for all the emails we get for people who've been telling us they've been listening, uh, uh, original members of the Open Floor Globe, this episode mm. is for you because joining us today is a former senior writer at Sports Illustrated. You've also seen his work on Grantland. He's currently the co-host for My Money, my favorite basketball podcast, the one I look forward to listening to every week. He's the co-host of Greatest of All Talk. He also used to host this very show. It's Andrew Sharp. Sharp, how's it going, my man? Oh, man. It is an honor to be back. It's always great to see my favorite member of Gen Z, <laughs> Chef Rowe himself. Uh, it's great to be here, man. And first and foremost, I think we got to you know, carve out some space to congratulate Michael Pina here. He's got That's the right. young King Wesley in the <laughs> fold. I mean, I'm sure he's going to grow up to have so many insufferable Celtics takes, <laughs> but it's a big win for Michael the pod, man. And, and, it, and, and also an, allows me to be here. Yes. In an ideal world, this kid is, has been born just after the last Celtics finals appearance. For the mm. next forty years, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just born into that. mediocrity. You're absolutely <laughs> exactly. right. Um, no, I'm I'm really excited that you're here. I've been wanting to do this. This is like, you know, a big part of our job is we got to book people, right? Like I got to book mm. players to write stories on. You know, I'm trying to get so and so to agree to do the NBA preview issue. This is one of the hardest you know, booking jobs I've had in my entire life. It was easier to get Jokic. <laughs> it was easier to get Jokic. Um, you know, it was, 
easier to get D-Wade during his final season than it is to get Sharp. So yeah. appreciate well, you coming no, on, buddy. I, I, I do feel guilty. I had big-timed you a couple different times. <laughs> and, and this week, I just thought there's so much NBA news out there that I have to hop on and chop <laughs> exactly. it up with Rohan. So here exactly. we are, a lot to work through. Oh, it's great. God. Yeah, yeah, you got the pen in your hand and everything. <laughs> <You're taking laughs> yeah, I've got a pad. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, man. Got... Oh, man, incredible. So, Shark, before we dive into the show, if you want to just real quick, tell me where I rank in terms of all your coworkers ever. I'm assuming mm. it's number one, obviously. I'm willing to settle for top three, just if you want to be diplomatic about it, but... I'm just curious where where you have so, me on that. So uh, that's that's really interesting. So all time for me, I'm not <laughs> sure you're top three. You're definitely like top five to seven. You know how everybody's always like, well, seven. they're top. There are eight different guys who are top five in the league right now. <laughs> right, you're right, in that course. eight. You're top five. <laughs> um, I'm the Anthony Davis of your friends. Yeah, you might yeah. be. But here, here's what I'll say though: you are hands down my wife's favorite coworker there of all time go. because there you're regularly DMing her on Instagram, encouraging her with <laughs> yes, all of yes. her baking exploits. Important, important note there: I'm not just constantly DMing her on Instagram; <laughs> I'm constantly encouraging her on Instagram, right? Because she's posting these works of art that I are know. like beautiful. In the, she's absolutely killing the baking game and i'm like somebody needs to recognize this she she gets into lebron mode she posts like 25 part instagram stories <laughs> taking you through each step of the baking process and i blame great british bake-off for inspiring this I, new addiction i think but... i thank great british bake-off that's the difference <laughs> between me and you is i thank them because this is exactly the kind of content that it, like this is what I want to see. This is what I well, want to see personally. Yeah, and, and I thank you because you play the role <laughs> that I probably should be playing <laughs> in response to those baking experiments. And um, you know, I, I, I you're it, you're good for my marriage. I'll put it that way. So, um, but yes, I would say solidly top five. Uh, where do I rank in you in your all time rankings? Well, you just took a little bit of a hit. I gotta say, <laughs> um, you just took a little bit of a hit. Um, Heron's coming on strong now. Um, oh wow! You know, yeah, yeah. So shout out to him, Andrew. We do we do have a little bit of my opinion an exciting episode to get to today, even without that the crazy NBA news that we were hoping for. No Kevin Durant trade as mm. of now, but shout out to our emailers. Uh, kept the emails coming in, even during the, you know, kind of the, the wasteland the days of yeah. the off season, of course. So thank you to the emailers. Keep the emails coming. Open floor mail at gmail.com. But before we fully open up the mailbag, I- I've been listening to goat, you know, this off season and really enjoyed you and Ben ranking your top five rap songs of the first five years <laughs> of the 2000s. Um, yep. Elite, elite content. Um, but I, I kind of heard you guys dance around this topic a little bit, so I thought I'd bring it to the show because something we haven't really talked about on Open Floor yet, something I want to get to. Just oh a real blanket lob-up question here. And I'll let you go first. You can start with one team. You can start with multiple teams. Which teams have disappointed you the most so far this offseason? Okay, so 
disappointing teams. You hit me with this a day ago, and um, <laughs> I I answered it as literally as I can. I'm not going to be out here. It's it's almost August, so I'm I'm not going to be out here like tallying up cap sheets and of coming course, up with alternative course. plans that I would have liked better. So what was most purely disappointing to me? Mm-hmm. I will start with the Golden State Warriors. Ooh, it was fascinating. Yeah, you know, it was so exhilarating to watch Steph Curry in the finals and realize he's still at that level. He's going to have another few years to compete at that level. And just, I mean, he's probably my favorite player of this generation. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And, and giving him the opportunity to, to contend for the next couple of years will make the whole sport more interesting. Um, and, you know, his his game four in Boston was just pure evil. And it's just one of the one of the coolest finals performances we've seen in a long time. I mean, him him in game four is right up there with Giannis in game six. And um, they're just so Dwayne Wade game times. three, 2006. Yeah, yep, I agree. Exactly. Right up there. <laughs> well, there aren't many guys out there who can hit that level with regularity. And so um I'm excited for the final chapter of Steph's career here. And having said all that, I I look at what the Warriors are bringing to the table next season, and I'm just a little bit concerned. They're going to be counting a lot on Jonathan Kaminga, counting a lot on James Wiseman, who basically hasn't been an NBA player for 18 months or so, and as a rookie didn't look good enough didn't look like somebody Mm -hmm. a title team can count on and um you know i I understand the cap sheet was really tight and it would have been crazy crazy expensive to bring back gp2 but at the same time like gp2 injected a lot of much needed athleticism into their rotation i mean they needed him in the finals they needed him in the finals exactly and so i just i i do think people are overlooking how shaky the foundation is in the Bay next year. And um, it's going to require Steph to be unbelievable. And it, it will frankly require Clay to be better than he was to close the year. And, and maybe he can get there. But um, the the big three will have their work cut out for them. That's an interesting answer. I did not expect that. I did like them getting DiVincenzo on the cheap. I think he's actually going to be a pretty useful player for them. He's obviously mm. not what GP2 is. Defensively, I do think he's going to hit a ton of wide-open threes that are going to annoy the hell out of fans next year. I mean, Jermichael Green is someone who I think can play in a playoff series at the very least. He's not a sexy signing. I mean, they also lost Otto Porter, who I thought was yeah. really important for them in the playoffs. Um, I think we saw that Jordan Poole. Uh, I'm not sure about the playoff Jordan Poole experience. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot different when you're not playing against the Nuggets missing three players. Um, Totally. Yeah, it's it's an interesting team. with I I think Kaminga and Moody, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to, by the end of the regular season, be ready to go for the playoffs. Yes, and the caveat I would add in response to everything you just said is that if you believe in Dante DiVincenzo... (laughs) <laughs> then the Warriors offseason was mostly fine, and any hand-wringing that I'm doing is probably overdone. Um, however, 
I think DiVincenzo kind of sucks. And I remember like <laughs> watching him with Giannis and being like, oh my God, he's so close to being the wing the Bucks need, but he's just not that guy. And over and over again, he would disappoint me. Um, but maybe he'll be more successful playing next to Steph Curry. Steph Curry makes everyone look like 20 to 30% better than they are. There will also be interesting chemistry questions next year as everyone tries to get paid. Um, and everyone sees pretty clearly that not everyone will get paid. And so that'll yeah, make I'm things fairly interesting. I mean, it's looming over them right now. I think Draymond uh, is extension eligible this summer before this season starts. Um, it's going to start quickly. I mean, Draymond rightfully should ask for a mask, uh, ask for a mask, ask, ask for a max contract. Mm-hmm. I think Clay will probably uh, try to ask for a max as well. It's going to be interesting. That is a good pick. That's a really good pick. Um, I'm with you. I like when there's a degree of difficulty for Steph, though, if I'm being perfectly honest. Okay. Watching him go game four mode, as the kids would say, I want to see more of Steph <laughs> having to go game four mode. Hey, hey, um, Ro, just, just so you know, the kids would actually say that Steph was going goblin mode in game four. <laughs> I, don't so, think they, I don't think they would be that, saying that's, that. That's my role in your life. I have to keep you up to date on the slang out there. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're really glad every, to be here. <laughs> every Uber driver who's ever had Andrew as a rider has me to thank for the money they oh, made on that ride. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's really embarrassing. It, in 2018, Ro had to teach me how to use Uber, and um, it served me well ever since. I, and, and I'm indebted to you for life. <laughs> it's just such a late time. Yep. I guess you didn't. You, if you don't have it in college, that was a big, a big innovation for us. I'll leave it at that. Mm. Um, but the Warriors are an interesting pick. I I have faith in A. Divincenzo B. I liked what I saw from Kaminga at times last year. I mean, he he had a little bit of playoff run and didn't look awful. I mean, you could really only use him as a specialist in certain matchups. If the shot gets going a bit, I thought Kaminga, this is such a creepy phrase, but I'm going to use it. He had an NBA-ready body, which you like to okay, see yep. from rookies. You know, he's creepy. a big dude. He's a big dude. It's, he's a big dude. Um Kaminga and Wiseman are both gigantic. Yes, and yes. Wiseman, even among big men, Wiseman is like 20% bigger than almost any yeah. other big guy in the league. And so if they could put it together, that's another path to the Warriors being totally fine. Um, I, I think Moody is legitimately good and is a guy they can rely on and mm-hmm. will really be helpful through Steph's twilight. Kaminga and Wiseman are, are two other guys I'm I'm not really sold on, but... Who knows? You have you know? to. If you had to, I have my answer, and I. If you had to, if I'm putting you on the spot, who do you think their biggest competition in the West is right now? Um, first of all, I, I I really hope your answer is your Denver Nuggets. Um, I wish my answer was my Denver Nuggets. I think my answer is the Clippers of Los Angeles, though. Yes, it's got to be yeah. the Clippers. And, and yeah. frankly, you look at the Clippers and Warriors rosters right now. And I mean, I don't know. Do you put an asterisk next to Paul George's name, next to Kawhi's mm-hmm. name? Because we just like haven't seen those guys stay healthy f- ever since they arrived yeah. in L.A. Um, 
maybe you do and in, in that case golden state still has the edge but i mean i think if if everyone's healthy the clippers are a better team right yeah. now i feel like i've spent more time waiting for Kawhi leonard to speak after games than actually watching him play <laughs> since he joined the clippers <laughs> i mean uh, that's the thing you and Golliver yeah. thought you had it all figured out being in la <laughs> and really Coast. all that means is like an extra hour and a half after every game waiting for Kawhi <laughs> yeah, and lebron or flying to phoenix in june which is lovely lovely that time of year 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. yeah uh i'm gonna give you my most disappointing team and it's I'm, it's been percolating on this podcast people have heard me mention it Okay. And you're going to think it's like a homer pick, but I'm being 100% serious. It's got to be the Miami Heat for me. Um, okay. A team that was clearly very close to making the NBA Finals. I I was skeptical of them all season long on this podcast. I was like, they're going to flame out in the playoffs. Um, they don't have the half-court offense. I mean, the half-court offense was bad, but they came way closer to making the Finals than I ever imagined. And a huge part of that was Jimmy Butler just – going, I think, to a whole different level during the playoffs mm-hmm. that I don't think any of us expected him to all of a sudden become the scorer that he was. And I think this is a team that I don't know if they were necessarily a move away, but maybe you add in a guy or two or find a way to swing a move, get in a different score, maybe move Hero and Robinson off for someone who can play in the playoffs, and you, you kind of help address some of the issues you had in terms of half-court scoring instead I don't know if it's just because they've been playing this waiting game with Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant, but they've done nothing. I mean, they re-signed Caleb Martin. They don't have a power forward on this team. I mean, losing P.J. Tucker, uh, it's gotten to become a little bit of a meme, like on Heat Twitter, like how important was P.J. Tucker. But (laughs) like, even if you just throw out the statistics for a second, like, you know, I did a story on Max Struess, and I was like, what's been the biggest key for you growing as a defender from game one of the season to – you know, game seven of the conference finals, and he's like, PJ Tucker, in my ear, every day. Like, you can't, you don't just simply replace a guy like that who yeah. not only defends, not only, you know, c- connects on offense, isn't isn't a zero on the floor, but getting people in the right place, et cetera. I think he's, like, that's a huge loss for them. And beyond that, it's not only to lose him. A, losing to Philly. B, they don't have a replacement. Like, I think they're going to play Caleb Martin. Yeah. They're going to play Caleb Martin at power forward? That's just simply not going to work. So you're not a Caleb Martin believer? I, he's always I'm, been kind of spicy off the bench for I'm them. I wouldn't start Caleb him. Martin. But... I'm a fan of Caleb Martin, and I think that injuries hurt him. I think you, I expected more from him in the playoffs. I think he just slowed down. He was like to keep dealing with some kind of injury all year long. Yeah. Um, I think he's part of the playoff rotation. I don't think he's your starting power forward. I mean, they're going to kill it on the glass. I mean, they're between him and Bam, it's like six, seven, six, nine guys playing in the front court. I, I just think they're like, I mean, they got not lucky last year, but Lowry kept things afloat when Jimmy and Bam were hurt. But I think if they get another regular season injury, like, wouldn't shock me if they slipped to the plane. Can I ask you something? Are you, do you consider yourself part of the Yurt 7 hive? <laughs> I am not part of the Yurt 7 hive. And <laughs> the people, the, they're like, the genuine tweets I see that uh-huh. are like the Heat need to play Yurtsevin and Bam together. 
literally make me like, what are we do? What are we, why are we even writing and talking about basketball? Because clearly, it's not having an impact. Look, man, he had. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> the public is not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he put up some nice numbers. No, I'm with you across the board on the Heat. You know, I, I and they're one of those teams where it's difficult because the follow-up question is, well, what would you have had them do? And and the reality is there's just not much flexibility for them to do anything. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're calling Danny Ainge every day trying to get Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure Sean Marks has had to block Pat Riley's number because, <laughs> like, no, we're not interested in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow as the centerpiece for a Kevin Durant trade. But uh, save any of those, like, Hail Mary moves – you know, I, they, they're capped out and there's just only so much they can do. And that's why losing PJ Tucker hurts so much. It's not really mm-hmm. that PJ Tucker is good, but I mean, PJ Tucker's fine. Like I think his addition in Philadelphia is pretty overrated. Um, wow. But they just don't have an alternative. <laughs> and so, and they don't have money to spend. They don't have assets to trade. And so in that case, it, it takes them from the, championship contender tier although like i don't know do you feel like they were they were in that top group by the end of the season i i never felt that they were but last year especially was such a weird season i think any of the final (laughs) i think this i still think the suns are better than the mavs that's like my worst take no, it's um, it's accurate. <laughs> uh, I think Shit, any things four, got really weird with Suns yes, maps. We'll yes, never understand yes. what happened, but they we don't yes, have to elevate could, Dallas above Phoenix. If they played that game a thousand times, the the one time Dallas blow, blows them out is the one that happened in that like. Um, well, yeah, and if they play yeah. it in any other month of the season, like I just don't know. I, maybe COVID was yeah. involved. Like who yeah. who knows what was happening with the Suns? But I don't put that on. Uh, like, but the talent. I think I just think right now there's no runaway favorite in the NBA, and okay. so a team like Miami last year, maybe this year will be different. Had a legitimate chance. Mm-hmm. Um, the coaching was good enough. I, I think that they had enough weird stuff that they could do um i also i'm also low on hero and i would trade him and duncan robinson for harrison barnes tonight throw in a protected 2029 first yeah you are low on hero man (laughs) oh man Um, trade him and dunk for and i like duncan i actually really like duncan incredible what he did as an undrafted player coming into this league that's no disrespect to him but you know you got to attach an asset to hero uh, so Mm. that's why i'm sending him and him and Tyler out to Sacramento for Harrison Barnes. What That's a my take. move for them. Things are getting yeah. a little dark in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a nation Bro, turns seen... its eyes to Harrison Barnes. <laughs> Dude, I see people be like, oh, Hero was injured during the playoffs. And I'm like, I think he was just getting like packed up by people who were actually determined to defend uh, yeah. him. And he, he wasn't playing against backups in the second quarter anymore. And that makes a big difference. It could be. I can't really tell with harrow or it's, it's hero i've called him yeah hero i was gonna say I, I, don't, I can't career. really tell who you're talking about <laughs> yeah it's my, my favorite part of listening to the pod is when you're like Harrow. yeah it's my <laughs> bad thank you for helping me um address that blind spot no with hero um he there are flashes where he looks like a guy who can create offense in the half court 
and reliably get to his spots and and is just really valuable like Devin Booker ish he's not Devin Booker mm-hmm. but like has a lot of the same skills at his best but yeah he just couldn't get by people in this year's playoffs and he was getting abused on defense where Ooh. someone like Devin Booker has really fought to make himself half decent on that yes. end and not a total liability yes. And that Max would be Struce. the step. Max Struess, exactly right. Like yeah. they were just better with Struess on the floor, mm-hmm. and so Hero's going to have to to make that transition. And it's an open question as to whether he can actually do it. Uh, but I I did enjoy the end of the year when Pat Riley was like, he's <laughs> yeah. not a starter. <laughs> he's yeah. got to figure out the defensive side of the ball, and then maybe we can talk. Um, I think that's the right message to send at this point. That was that was reassuring to me because my fear is that they're way higher on him than they need to be. And it was actually reassuring for me to hear Pat Riley say that because I think the expectations for him have gotten a little out of control. And mm-hmm. like, I don't think he's going to be a perennial all-star. Um, the defense worries me a ton. Uh, like you said, they're a guy... I, I, and, you know, it's tough. Struess is like a bigger guy, longer arms. I think it makes it a little bit easier for him to defend certain wings, but you got to at least be able to survive a few possessions here and there. And, you know, it got to the point where I was terrified every time he was on the floor in the playoffs. So that's, that's one more for me. Do you have any others that you wanted to talk about? Yes, I have uh, two others that I'll throw Ooh. out there. The first is the bucks. Um, yes. I'm a little bit worried that they are planning to rely on Brooke Lopez as heavily as they, they're going to need to next year. Um, because I just, I've worried about Brooke Lopez falling off a cliff for like the last couple seasons. And it's obviously he missed most of last season and just the, the injury history coupled with his age, um, would make me cautious. And they didn't really find a replacement for him, like a JaVale McGee type guy, they're running it back with Serge Ibaka, who most people don't even realize is still in the NBA. And um, I <laughs> would have liked to see more. What a fall for Serge Ibaka. Well, like, yeah, he, just, and he had a, it just, a it great just went couple like of that. years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, he, just, he's had a great career, but I just I don't really understand the, the rationale I mean, in he Milwaukee. He didn't get any run during the playoffs. It was, I mean, I don't even know if he was healthy, honestly. I, I have no idea. No one talks about him anymore. Yeah, well, and in the playoffs, um, I w- uh, you, you saw the cracks start to show with Milwaukee's rotation. Like, they just didn't have many players they could play at the end uh, yeah, of that Celtics series. It didn't help series. that Grayson Allen was still starting games. That was ridiculous. Ugh, yeah, Grayson <laughs> Allen was <laughs> yeah. starting. And, and, like, I I mean, they should play Javon Carter more, and they did yes. bring him back, so they get credit for that. Um, but bringing in Joe Ingles... I feel like that's the type of move that gets praised in July and doesn't move the needle next (laughs) April and May. And so, um, yeah, I was just sort of like underwhelmed by what they did. And I think a lot of people across the basketball media are saying, well, the Bucs had the best team this year and probably would have won the championship if Chris Middleton never got hurt. And that may be true. I like, I think I agree with that, but that also isn't something I would tell myself if I were like the front office and saying like, let's just run it all back with our creaky rotation and a bunch of different injury prone guys. Like 
I, I, and adding Ingles is another guy who's like, I don't know, at this point in his career. Coming off an of ACL tear, he was already looked like he was maybe losing a step before it. I mean, they just put way too much pressure on Giannis. I mean, I think what's lost in like that 50-point game he had in game six of the finals is the fact that they needed every single last one of those points. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it wasn't like a blowout. Like, they need him to go nuclear. I mean, against the Celtics, I mean, it felt like their only chance was when you know, Giannis was going nuts. He's going off for like 20 and a half. And like, that's the only way they're able to keep it close. Drew Holiday, bless his heart. I love him. He's shooting like five of 17 every night, like seven to 22. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, a really disappointing offseason, especially because it feels like the East is there for the taking. And when you couple it, unfortunately, with a team like Boston has done, Boston's had maybe the best offseason of any team, you could argue. Um, yep. basically losing nobody of consequence from their playoff rotation instead of adding two guys who can definitely play in the playoffs. Um, yeah, really disappointed in the Bucks. I mean, I love Wesley Matthews. Like, a lot of pressure on him to continue to ask him to be your number one perimeter defender. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. And, I, I, and I it's look at difficult. Because yeah. you look at what their options were, there's not that much flexibility, mm-hmm. but like... Bruce Brown signing with the Nuggets for the mid-level. If they signed Bruce Brown, yeah, I would have been really excited. I would have been like, yeah, that's that's definitely a guy who can play deep into the playoffs and be like your seventh man and um, spell some of the guards for 20 to 25 minutes. The other idea I had for them before, uh, ironically, the Nuggets swooped in, I would have tried to trade for KCP and see yes, what the Wizards yes. were asking for and, and have him be the third guard. I, those are the types of guys like a little bit younger, a little bit more athletic that I mm-hmm. think could really help them. And um, I guess they just decided that either they couldn't get any of those guys or um, they like the creation from Ingles or something like that. I don't, I don't really know, but it's, it's going to require Giannis to be superhuman again and maybe he can do it. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the nuggets, by the way, I heard you talk about them on a recent pod. You did. I love the KCP Bruce Brown signings. I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been talking about this on this podcast for a long time. They should trade MPJ. They They should should trade MPJ. They should absolutely trade MPJ. Another another team that Harrison Barnes would look sick on. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> and big. so the the real take was back in the bubble when MPJ had blown up a little bit. Um, that might have been the time to trade yes. him. Yes, yes. His stock was sky high, and everybody was talking themselves into like MPJ as another Kevin Durant or seven <laughs> foot Clay Thompson, whatever whatever you want to say. And um, now I don't know if they could get anything for MPJ, like certainly yeah. not until he plays like half a season healthy. But even then on that deal with his sketchy ass injury history, it'd be tough for them to, to really um, remake the roster in a productive way with an MPJ trade. I don't disagree. They may have missed the boat on that one. And maybe I just, I don't think, you you just simply don't even need him, Murray, and Jokic. Um, yeah, you want well, the ball so those bad two guys' hands. Yes, it's uh, yeah. Watching him, you can tell his back is messed up, and it's it's unfortunate, honestly. But you can tell he has a back issue watching him try to get into defensive stance right. because it's it's clearly an issue for him. 
Um, yeah, it's painful. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. All right, Sharp, let's get to some emails here. We got a lot of good emails today. Uh, this one's from Al, a longtime listener from Michigan. What up, Al? He goes, what Rohan up, and Al? Chris. Sorry, sorry Chris. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know Mike is gone, finally. Um, but going over the last podcast regarding Jalen Brown and Kevin Durant, I find myself looking at the Jason Tatum-Jalen Brown experiment as the former McGrady-Carter combo in Toronto. We all wonder what could have been if McGrady stayed in Toronto. Do you guys feel if Jalen Brown leaves the Celtics, he would blow up as a leading scorer in the NBA like McGrady? Andrew, your thoughts. Interesting. Um, If Jalen Brown leaves the Celtics, yeah, I do think he would blow up in a similar way. I I, I could see him averaging like 28 or 30 a game. Um, Wow. I think he wouldn't be as good as Tracy McGrady. Like Tracy McGrady at his peak was like was first team, second yeah. team, all NBA. I, I don't think Jalen is good at put, the rest put of basketball. Put T-Mac on the early 2000s Lakers. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like T-Mac, yeah. he could have done a lot of damage and had Grant yeah. Hill been healthy, that magic mm-hmm. thing would have been pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So I don't put Jalen in that category. I do think... If Jalen Brown is separated from Jason Tatum, we'll look back and be like, whoa, like those two guys were really great together. Yeah. And um, it's crazy that they were on the same team. But I, I don't know how you feel about Jalen. I, I look at his game and I feel like he's a little bit one dimensional. And, and because he worked hard on defense early in his career, he hasn't really been getting, he, he hasn't gotten the like, 
bucket getter label the like mm-hmm. score only label maybe empty stats sometimes um Ooh. but i think all of that can apply to Jalen, and so i just i'm i'm reluctant to put him in like all-star superstar conversations because i think he's a tier below interesting i think he's definitely an all-star caliber player I, there are moments i thought that during this postseason run he was the best player on the floor Obviously, I think overall it was still Tatum, but he went off for 40 in a finals game. And there's just some nights where, like, when the jump shot's going, you're like, how are you stopping this guy? He's hitting step-back threes or, like, Mm stare-down threes. Like, what are you supposed to do? I look at his not necessarily maybe as talented as Anthony Davis, but in the category of if he's your number two to, like, a, a true number one, you're in fantastic shape. If he's your lead guy, I, I like him less. Like so, I wrote this week why I don't like the Nets trade for either side, Durant for okay. Brown, because I think the Celtics have like an eight-year window right now between as long as Jason and Jalen are playing together. I think they're going to make they're going to be in the conference finals mix for the next eight years as long as they keep those guys together. Durant, everyone's talking about he's on a four-year contract. He's going to be thirty-four when the season starts. Like, are you counting on him to be Kevin Durant by age 37? With, he's not finished the last two regular seasons healthy. Or, I mean, he, he hasn't had healthy regular seasons for a couple years. He has mm-hmm. the Achilles injury. I think you're looking at, like, a two-year window with KD versus it's not as open of a window, but an eight-year one with, with Jason and Jalen. Like, I think Jalen Brown's a max player on the right team, which is he needs a running mate like Tatum. But yeah. I think he could put up stats as a number one guy and the team would be frisky, but they wouldn't ultimately go anywhere. Is kind of how I feel about him. So he's like he's like a one point five. Interesting. I think he's a two point five. I'm Ooh, not sure he's really that guy. And when you look at what makes the Celtics great, it's their defense and their mm-hmm. offense has always been a little bit of an issue relying on those two guys. Um and I, I also look at Jalen's defense as being just a tad overrated. So I don't know. I, I would do the deal if I were the Celtics. And if it if I could keep Marcus smart, it would be like a no-brainer. Like how fast can I say yes if I'm Brad Stevens? If I have to give up mm. Marcus smart, then it's a little trickier in terms of like whether there's enough there to contend and and win a title with Kevin Durant and they just would be relying a lot on Malcolm Brogdon who hasn't been healthy mm-hmm. for long mm-hmm. stretches of his career so I don't know um I, but I do look at at, at Jalen as like an NBA success story um in that he has made the absolute most of like w- his tools and he's just come leaps and bounds from where he was as a rookie um but i also i wonder number one how much more growth there is i also wonder Mm. if he would want to stay in boston i I think a lot of people are sort of taking that for granted and Mm. you look at Jalen; he's always been pretty worldly he's also like pretty closely aligned with kyrie and kyrie hated it in boston and um (laughs) I just I, I I think the mistake a lot of people have made in in analyzing the Celtics calculus here is 
framing this as a choice between Kevin Durant for three years and Jason Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown for like 10 years. I don't know that that's realistic. I think Jalen could try to leave regardless of what happens with this deal. Very interesting. I mean, yeah, he definitely seemed to not necessarily love being mentioned in trade rumors, which is another kind of interesting thing when something like that leaks. I mean, I don't think it's like, if they lose a playoff game eight months from now, it's going to be like, well, that trade rumor was on his mind. But mm-hmm. um, I'm interested to see if that, like you said, maybe it's it's another factor that maybe could one day push him out the door. But I'm, I'm a fan of Jalen Brown. Um, but I think we're both on the same page that Tracy McGrady was sick. Um, <laughs> and that very few people are like Tracy McGrady, who is like maybe arguably the player from that time I would most like to see play now, like non-center division. Like obviously we all want to see Shaq play in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram, like for your page or whatever, or like, I don't know what it's called. What the um, algorithms or whatever. Yeah. Like the, the recommendations. Like, yeah. The algorithms it's like, or whatever. I sound like I'm 85 like, years old. <laughs> it's like, it's like 55%. Shaq highlights or Shaq quotes like Shaq anecdotes like (laughs) it's like one of them was like Shaq being like there was a geek in my high school like it was like he's using geek like it's like an ethnicity almost he's like he's like yeah we had a geek in my class like we called him something like he he couldn't remember his real name just the nickname they had for him just knew him as geek yeah yeah and he's like yeah we had this geek like we called him whatever and uh he's like everyone would pick on the geek and then one day i went up to him and i was like hey like no one's messing with the geek anymore and then he tutored me because i was and it's the only reason i went to college like it was crazy <laughs> shack stories like that um That's or just awesome. highlights like i just watched a highlight the other day it was like shack scoring on david robinson and just throwing him like six feet backwards towards the basket and it's like yeah i want to see this guy play now but tracy mcgrady yes a legend and could he was really really good like not only not only t-mac though if we're talking Shaq, i look at his arc in media as one of the more improbable stories of the last like 20 years in basketball because look inside the nba was perfect when Shaq joined in 2010 and I, I think it was 2010. It was around that area. area. And I remember uh-huh. hearing Shaq pop up on those shows. He was a little insecure around yes. Barkley. Yes. He would take jokes too personally. He would interject mm-hmm. at the wrong times. And I was pissed off. I was like, look. Yeah, Shaq, it was annoying the first couple years. This is a yes. hallowed institution yeah. that yes. you are sabotaging on a weekly basis. <laughs> what is going on here? Why is everyone okay with this? And over the years, Shaq has gotten much better on TV. And he's now someone that I regularly enjoy. And I don't know if yes. I would say I look forward to him. Um, but he's a lot of fun. And I, I just... Yes. Back in like 2011, I was like, get yeah. this guy off my television and, and save inside the NBA. But now he's part of the gang. Yeah. No, it's that's my favorite show on television. It's not close. And I love when they do the post-game interview. And uh, Shaq's like, Shaq gets, you know, it's like Charles Barkley always gets the first question. Um, or Ernie does. And Shaq's like, big fellow here. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> he just asks this question. It's incredible. It's 
truly my favorite show on TV. We could do a whole hour on uh, Inside the NBA. But I wanted to get to this question because this is another team that I think Herring and I identified as maybe had a disappointing offseason, but we got a question about them. So I want to get to them here in the mailbag. This is from Juan Pablo, who goes, Hi, Rohan and Chris, and so happy to hear about Michael's baby. He mm. says, what's the going rate on the Mavs slander these days? Is this funding Rohan's travels? In all seriousness, I keep hearing folks say the Mavs need to make bigger moves around Luka. And while I completely understand the sentiment and feel it too, what can a team that is so strapped for assets really do? I thought the Wood trade was genius, given that we lost players that were not hitting the rotation. But given how much the previous front office hampered the team, we're left with two choices in the short run. Trade all of our depth for a number two, Keep adding ancillary pieces with the little we have and still put all our eggs in the Luka basket. Uh, the situation will change in the next couple of years as we get our own picks and some contracts are set to expire. But what either of you do right now with the team that is stuck this way? Thank you for the awesome show, Juan Pablo. Uh, Sharp, I'm kind of like, you know, we talked about the Mavs last week as maybe a team that could miss the playoffs. Next Ooh. season is one that made it last year. Yeah, yeah, it was a... That was a little masala for Herring that I was take. I was picking up what he was putting down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Let me tell you. Um, your thoughts on the Mavs, which who we've been – I'm not going to lie. There's been a little bit of slander on the pot. He's not wrong. We have not okay. been fans of their offseason. Your thoughts. Very though? interesting. Um, I just Googled Western Conference standings, and the WNBA came up. That's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Um, I want <laughs> I want to read through the West and see whether that Mavs take is actually viable. I I mean it, it honestly it sounds like a a pretty good take because you look at I mean what you got to imagine the, the Clippers make it next year. Yeah, I mean I Portland also think the Kings the Kings are going to be frisky, a dangerous I, I, thing to we, say. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying they're going to be good, but I can't completely rule out the idea of LeBron making the playoffs. Um, yeah, of course. They're, they're going to be in the yeah. mix. Now, the Mavs, I, the reason I would um, entertain the idea of them missing the playoffs entirely is because Luka, over the past couple seasons, has had stretches where he's missed like 10 or 15 games. And mm-hmm. if, if 10 or 15 becomes... 20 or 25 um then things will get really really dicey for that team because i think luca on his own is good enough to make them a decent regular season team but beyond that um i don't really know what they are bringing to the table i mean look i'm with you on all the Mavs slander just for the record like jason <laughs> kidd's interview from vegas he was on like nba today or something and said we're planning on starting JaVale McGee and Christian Wood next Come year on. and maybe Dinwiddie too. It was it was like the most depressing starting lineup you could possibly imagine is what kid was like touting on ESPN. And it was an eye-opening moment that's for me. Like, where, that's like some kid on 2K who has never played with the Mavericks before, never watched one of their games. It's like just give me the guys with the five best overall in the starting lineup. I don't care what <laughs> yeah, positions totally. they play. Yeah. Well, and here's what I would add. 
I still don't think Jason Kidd is a good coach. Like I, wow. I watched <laughs> him. Just, Sorry, just, man. He's like, like, you're like, this isn't my normal podcast. I can say whatever I want. I can say whatever I want here. It's <laughs> August. Nobody's listening to these podcasts. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, we were wrong about Jason Kidd. I don't know. I watched Jason Kidd <laughs> in the Bucks and or coaching the Bucks, and um, I remember how maddening it was to watch him manage games. And I I think some of that could be coming in Dallas over the next few years. The, the honeymoon might be over. Um, and as far as like their off season, the one piece that I I understand why you would trade for Christian Wood if you're trying to like cover your ass and not look terribly depressing during the regular season. But if the goal is actually to like win with Luca and win long term or even short term, like make the second round, make the third round, be able to to hang with the best teams in the NBA. I just I've seen enough Christian Wood to not believe in that guy, and I and even though I understand the the gamble conceptually, I, it's a bad bet if you just know it's not going to work, and and that's how I feel about Wood. We've also seen enough Maxi Cleaver to know like oh this guy's like pretty helpful for them in the playoffs, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like a big like kind of the straw that stirs the drink in some ways, uh, because of what he lets them do when they go small, and it's been a weird off season for them. On one hand, I'm glad they didn't necessarily go all in on this team that had, again, this is not to take, they won that game seven in Phoenix. I was there. Lucas' (laughs) performance was unlike anything I'd ever seen in person before. But it was shocking to say the least, okay? It was shocking to say the least. Oh, yeah. So on one hand, I'm... We can say out loud, like, they're not a conference finalist. Like, that, they're not that level of team after last year. It was a, a, a weird year in the West, and the Suns yeah. just totally collapsed and, like, yeah. self-combusted. I'm, so, I don't know. And, and the healthy Nuggets and Clippers, I think, are going to overtake them next year. But, yeah. So, on one hand, I'm glad they aren't, like, let's go fully commit to this team. But I think losing Brunson obviously hurts them. Dinwiddie is not is not Brunson is not him as you guys would like to say. Mm. Um, Dinwiddie uh, is definitely not him. <laughs> not him. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be kind of a weird team. I'm interested to see the pieces fit together. I mean, could they play Wood and Cleaver together? I guess. I, I just Ugh. don't know how it all going to work <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's man. They gave Javale McGee money too. They're like, yo, Javale, here you go. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. It, it's gonna be. Uh, it, it will be really interesting to see what. Cause first of all, I I look at it, and this is probably not giving them enough credit. I look at the Mavs as like in that six to ten range in the West, and mm. I I don't really have any question about their 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 cast next year. Um, yeah. And uh, and. It, it will be interesting to see if that's how it actually plays out because look, they could be better. They could be the third best team in the West or something like that. But if it plays out where they follow up the conference finals by finishing like seventh or eighth and have to work their way through the play in round. um, I wonder how Luca responds and what Mm -hmm. the front office can even do to, to sort of address some of the discontent that is probably going to arise. Uh, 
I don't know. It'll be it'll be complicated, more complicated than you would think for a team that has like one of the five best players in the NBA and yeah. maybe the best young guy. I would like to see Jason Kidd go on Shark Tank and pitch that Christian Wood Javale McGee idea um, <laughs> in front of the Sharks. <laughs> I would like to see that from BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Let's move on to another question. This one comes in from Pierre. He says, hello. Another angle on how rings culture is poisoning basketball. We have career role players like J.R. Smith saying that Damian Lillard will rot in Portland if he stays. I ask this in complete sincerity. If after this season, Damian Lillard forced his way out of Portland and won a ring with the Clippers, are you really viewing his career any differently than if he stays in Portland and has a few more eye-popping playoff moments with nothing more? Why does mm. everything need to be validated with a ring? He's had an amazing career so far with multiple iconic moments. He's a legend in Portland. Just feels lazy to reduce everything down to, but he did he win a ring. Can we get Steve Novak's take? Thanks. It, yeah, um, is that an inside joke related to something else you guys have said here? The Steve Novak thing? Yeah. No, I think he's just making fun of J.R. Smith, actually, which is kind of <laughs> okay. um, a little bit of a low blow at J.R. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think it's a good no, question, man. We don't, have a, we don't have a running Steve Novak joke, <laughs> yeah, but I'll see if that... we can start one today. Yeah. That threw um, me for a loop in the rundown. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, do you have thoughts? I, I think it, it is I a very do. important I, point for people to to sort of I, imagine the alternatives for Lillard. Yes. I wrote this when he had that series against the Nuggets. Like, there's that double overtime game, and it's like 
they're triple teaming him as soon as he gets off half court and he's still bombing. You're like, you're like, okay, surely they won't let him shoot and make another game time three, but that's exactly what he does. Like every time down the floor. And I feel like Lillard's catching a lot of heat. People are like, he should ask out. Oh, he took the money. Oh, his quote is corny. I'm fully in his corner on this one. I think he's hmm. right. I think it's awesome that he stayed. He would make this much money no matter which team he went to. Um, I don't think that that's what's motivating him right now. I, I think he genuinely likes what he has in Portland, and I agree. Like it wouldn't be satisfying him to join some other team, and then when like if they were to let's say the Lakers are to blow up in a couple years, and somehow Anthony Davis gets to Portland, that would be really exciting. I'd like to see something like that, but. Yeah, to me, it would not be satisfying at all to watch him win a ring on another team at this point. I, I agree with Pierre completely. He's had so many iconic moments. For you to say he's not a winner or he's not capable of winning like, is preposterous to me. I mean, he's literally ended multiple playoff series. Has yeah. any other player done that like in the last 25 years? Um, no, he's one of my favorite players. I love watching him play. I don't question like his ability to win at all. You know, they ran into the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors win five titles if you switch Steph and Dane. Do I think they could maybe win one? Mm, maybe. Yeah, um, probably. I, well, I don't know. One of the KD <laughs> ones. Um, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you can uh, win a fake title, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so I'm, I'm with Pierre on this one. Your thoughts? Okay, I have a couple different thoughts after hearing your response and rereading the question. Number one... I wasn't part of the rings culture conversation that seems to have occurred on this show earlier this week. <laughs> um, I think rings culture is often blamed for guys who are just competitive and want to win. And so I don't necessarily think that it's like the way we talk about basketball is forcing guys to go to better teams. I think mm. part of it is, that the NBA's salary structure right now makes it really hard for teams who have a little bit of success and then pay their guys who are responsible mm -hmm. for that success. Like there's just not that much flexibility. It's why yeah, Dallas is in such a tough spot. Yeah, you can't not max out CJ McCollum. You know what I mean? Like he had to get they had to give him that contract. It's really did. The Blazers are a great example. The Mavs are also a good example. The Celtics, would they be considering a Jalen Brown trade? if they were confident they could sign him for the max and not pay like a hundred million dollars in luxury tax every year. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it drives a lot of the player movement and I, it's sort of like this hidden force in the NBA where I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well today's players, today's superstars don't care about loyalty or anything like that. Or there are people who are like, well, this is what NBA Twitter has done to basketball. Everybody feels mm. like they need to go win a ring when I, I just think the structure of the league needs to be reworked in the next CBA and you need to make it easier for guys to stay home and actually compete because like Portland is exhibit A. They signed Evan Turner to a bad deal and it just killed like five years of their franchise and, and they still haven't really recovered. Now it's just kind of a mess out there. So yeah. um, part two of that conversation is that Damian Lillard 
I, Neil O'Shea was such a terrible GM and, and like, <laughs> yeah. it, I, I kind of want more for Dame. I would love to see mm-hmm. him on a good team. And the way this, this question is framed, um, obviously Dame staying in Portland is cooler than him going to the Clippers, which is like the most cynical basketball enterprise we have right now, <laughs> like as soulless as it gets. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to pull for the Clippers next year. I just, we can call it what it is. Um, but if, if Lillard, if he was traded to like the Wolves, for instance, and it was Lillard, yeah. Anthony Edwards, and Rudy Gobert going at uh, the league for the next couple years, like I, I think that would be Lillard really fun. I'm not a Gobert hater. I everyone else hates Gobert. I'm willing to give him a shot. Um, but yeah, like, like flip cat for Lillard. But. Yeah, seeing him on that kind of team would still be satisfying to an extent. Uh, I don't know. Let's say somehow, like, Chet is the truth in Oklahoma City and Shea mm-hmm. is incredible. Like, what if he went to freaking OKC and all of a sudden they were, like, awesome again? Like, remember, their playoff games were awesome when that yeah. game was full. Um, well, and, and yeah. I look at it like... Do people wish that Kevin Durant or not Kevin Durant? Do people wish that Kevin Garnett had stayed in yeah. Minnesota for the remainder of his career? Like, no, it, it wound up being a much cooler story with him going to Boston. And I, I do put guys who have stayed loyal as long as Dame has in another category. Like, there's a point yes, at which true. loyalty gets a little bit crazy because it's like, look, these guys haven't put a even like second round level team around you in the last five yeah. years or so. I'll say this. He's, I would love to see him stay in Portland. I, I love, I love that team. I love that city. I love those uniforms. I love watching him play in that uniform. But mm-hmm. to your point about KG, he's earned the right to ask out if he wants to at any point. And people are like, Oh, I, I see some people like, why are fans hustling backwards? Why would they want their star player to leave? Sometimes you literally do love your star player so much. You can accept that your front office has not done its job and you do want to see him go in somewhere. So yeah. I, I would support it. And I agree. I, I don't want to see it with the Clippers. I don't want to see him go to one of these kind of like ready-made super teams. That's always less fun. But yeah, if he was able to go to like the right mix of an up-and-coming small market, that would be a ton of fun. It would be cool to see kind of a new city get to experience that. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. I want to close with one last email because this is a fun one, and I'm I'm going to bet you have some good answers here. Okay. Um, this is Ollie from Detroit. What's up? With the reveal of more modernized jerseys, such as the new Cleveland and Utah ones, those jazz jerseys are heinous by the way absolutely awful <laughs> um like discuss I, I i will be actively watching less of their games this year because of the jerseys yes a lot of fans have started to criticize the nba shift towards overly modernized corporate designs for their logos and jerseys i think the want for more classic designs has grown even more after the pistons revealed their throwback city jerseys bringing back the fabled teal that younger fans have been clamoring for an iconic jersey to say the least how do you guys feel about the modern approach that teams have taken toward their designs? Personally, I'm just glad the teal is back. I own a Grant Hill one myself. Also, what's some of your favorite classic and current NBA jerseys? This is a great question. Sharp, I'm just going to speak for both of us real quick and say modern jerseys suck. They're mm. not good. Thank the real you. question I want the, <laughs> the real question I have is what are your favorite throwback jerseys and more importantly, which ones do you own? Wow. Okay. So which ones do I own? First of all, I, I do need to echo your sentiments on <laughs> modern NBA jerseys and how boring they've gotten. Like the, the Cavs jerseys, people can Google them. The white Cavs jersey with the hoop around the V is really, really nice. They did a great job mm-hmm. there. They seem to have just mailed it in with these other two jerseys. They have a maroon <laughs> jersey and a black jersey, and both of them look like practice jerseys. Just a complete waste of everyone's time rolling those out with the redesign. Um, and that's how most jerseys have been. It's so stupid. And yeah. I, I saw the, the, the teal jazz jersey. Ones yeah, well, the jazz a ones. Crime. <laughs> like, an honestly. Crime. It, it's not hyperbole. Like what you said is exactly how I feel about the jazz where it's like, okay, so if that's your uniform, like I'm not going to be able to watch your games. Next <laughs> yeah. year. Like This yeah. is really, yeah. really rough. Um, so, all right. Your question about favorite throwbacks. Um, I owned a Atlanta Hawks, Pete Maravich throwback. It was like my <laughs> yes. big purchase uh, when I was strike me 13 somebody years who'd old. Love Pistol Pete, to say the least. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um, I I have a Kevin Durant Supersonics jersey, which yep. is a, oh, a prized possession of mine. Um, now, as far as like favorite designs, like I, I the Bulls um, 
were one of my favorite growing mm-hmm. up. Like I, I had the pinstripe Jordan jersey, and I, I do think the they're script, one of the teams. The script Chicago throwback is another, I think, really underrated one that doesn't get talked about enough. It's just, it's just Chicago across mm-hmm. the front in cursive on it. Those ones are sick. Yeah, yeah, and, and there are certain teams that should – stick with the classic look like the lakers the Mm -hmm. celtics the bulls Mm -hmm. the knicks i hated when the knicks on christmas day were wearing those awful alternate jerseys it's like dude so dude i could not could not agree more yes the only reason they're allowed to host a game on christmas is because people are (laughs) nostalgic for what they were like 35 years ago because the team (laughs) is not worth it and it's like they're playing on a black court and it's like who is this for? Like, who it's, wanted this? Yeah, there's some basic quality control issues that the league needs to get under control. Um, the Suns had some cool uniforms in the '90s and have. I mean, the Suns, the purple sunburst, route. I think is like the the maybe my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. So, when I went to college, they had this thing called Dillo Day toward the end of the year, and it was like a music festival, and it was in May. <laughs> And it, was, it was awesome. It was just okay. it was incredible. I think my first Wait, year we had Kendrick Lamar. Dillo Day? Dillo Day, yes. Great. Um, Take me back to just... Northwestern in 2010. <laughs> okay, we, we, we didn't have to say what school it was. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. you, you, you got the mafia, man. I think Herring went there too. <laughs> chill, chill, chill. Um, but anyway... Dillo Day was sick. It was like a perfect day by the lake. Tons of artists. As you can imagine, an incredible amount of underage binge drinking starting from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. Mm. And it was a big day for like throwback basketball jerseys. It was like you, you'd been, you'd planned all year, like what throwback basketball jerseys, and you'd see some good ones. And like I was always happiest to see a Suns uh, purple, the sunburst. It's just, it's iconic. Um, Man, I, the old Hawks jerseys that had an actual hawk on them, um, incredible. That's what we need, right? Yes. Dude, the Raptors playing with T-Mac and Vince in NBA Jam with the yeah. Raptor on the uniform. All jerseys are so – like, Toronto's are bad. It's like, yeah, everything is so minimalist. And why don't – like, the real take here is, like, Nike has just done an awful job since taking over terrible job that is the take and everyone had such great expectations mm-hmm. and they just have totally fumbled the bag as the kids would say and yeah. it's very upsetting <laughs> as as a lifelong swoosh loyalist i expected yes, more yes. and Listen, i don't I, know i'm your target audience nike i see the commercial and i'm like oh my god i'm going to work out so much better if i buy those socks with a little swoosh on it um, yeah my jump well, shot's going to look so much cooler, and yet you're killing me with these jerseys. They've been so, and there's way too many of them. Half the times I don't know what team is playing. Yes, I I agree that the the main jerseys need to be better, and every team in the league needs to chill with this alternate jersey phenomenon, where <laughs> yeah. like twice a week they wear a jersey that you've just never (laughs) seen before (laughs) it does make league pass confusing because they also make the courts different now and it's just like everyone take it down a notch okay i like having like some familiar reference points can i add also 
You mentioned uh, the day at your school where everybody is very serious about their jersey choice. Yes, I just want yes. to say for the record, I did not need a day. I was wearing jerseys throughout <laughs> my time in college and was loving every second of it. It's what I'm most nostalgic for when I think of college. I was like the jersey guy and um, spent most imagine, of my income. I cannot even imagine, A, how tall your tees were and B, how long your shorts were when you were in college. <laughs> it's, honestly, so you know, you were sort of a, a fashion consultant for me, like as recently as a couple years ago. It's one aspect of life that I've I've always struggled with. And um, in college, in particular, I would wear pajamas and like a basketball jersey almost everywhere <laughs> oh I went. <laughs> And uh, and then occasionally like throw on uh, an oversized button down when I was trying to meet girls. Um, but <laughs> I, I needed a lot of help then. I also needed help in like 2016. <laughs> really only in the last like four or five years have I started wearing clothes that actually fit me. Um, yes. But it was it was a better time in my life does, when I was wearing the oversized chance- jerseys. <laughs> Does Champs Sports, do they still sell, like, tall tees? Like, you know how um, you walked into Champs, like, there was that section that was, like, you just knew it was all tall tees? Do you think they well, still have that? It's a good question, because that's also part of it. You look back at, like, where fashion <laughs> was in the early aughts, and, like, I have a suit from that era, and I, I mean, I went to a tailor and everything, and, and yet, like, it's still, like, really baggy, and I'm just like, is this... Who thought this was okay? Like, isn't this why you go to a tailor? But like back then, everything was just kind of baggier and oversized. How much money do you think you spent at Champ Sports if you had to guess from like 2000 to 2008? So honestly, Champ Sports was not really my go-to source. Mm. Um, I was big... Like I was deep into the eBay game. <laughs> and, oh, eBay! I, yes. I was about to say East Bay was another one, but eBay is even better. East Bay was definitely like elementary school, like circle <laughs> stuff, and like yeah. hand the magazine to my mom and be like, "Come on, please, <laughs> please, please." Um, but by the time I hit high school and college, I was fully on eBay, where you could like get some pretty solid replicas for like. or something. And um, I I mean, like I I remember I had like four different Orlando magic jerseys from back in the day. I had like a Dennis Scott Jersey, a a Penny Hardaway Jersey. Um, So that, that's sort of like the wavelength I was on. Yeah. Kids today will never know the feeling of switching from replicas to a swingman Jersey for the first time. Mm. Like, uh, Oh man, that was a, that was a big that was a big moment when you put on your first swing man and you're like, wow, I made it. <laughs> Look at the stitching. Look at the stitching. And yeah, exactly, God forbid you exactly. had like a girlfriend and you try to impress yeah, them with it. You don't understand. Like, you don't understand the replica the numbers oh are my like God. pressed on. These are stitched. <laughs> yeah. Trying to explain it to your Just parents like, why this You look is like important. a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Figure it out, exactly. please. Uh it's great. Oh, oh. Truly great times. Well, Andrew, just like we look back on those jerseys fondly, we're going to look back on this podcast fondly. We mm. finally did it. Thank you so much. 
for hanging out, man. I really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope, you know, it felt comfortable. You were right back on the, the chair, so to speak. I'm, I know the Open Floor Globe. I think I'm going to have to announce it. We're recording this on a Thursday. I'm going to have to make a special announcement wow. on Twitter right when we hop off because I think people are going to be, <laughs> I think people are going to be hyped. Yeah, well, shout out to the Open Floor Globe. I had so much fun hosting Open Floor for as long as I had, uh, as long as I did. And I also love Roe and Pina and Chris Herring. And I'm glad that the podcast is in good hands these days. If people want to hear more from me and Ben Golliver, they can go to goat.supportingcast.fm or just greatestofalltalk.com and subscribe to our show. We do two episodes per week and we've had a lot of fun. And um, we're going to keep doing it for the rest of the summer, which could get a little weird uh, as the news well dries up. But we're going to continue um, all next season as well. And it's been the, the GOAT era has been good to us. So um, if anyone wants to hop on the bandwagon, now is a good time because you're going to hear some really weird takes as we descend deeper <laughs> into the summer. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words because I know how seriously you and Golliver took this podcast, which frankly was too seriously. It annoyed everyone who you worked with. <laughs> um, so glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, uh, and if you're somehow listening to this podcast and you don't subscribe to GOAT, I don't know how that's possible. I mean it genuinely. It's so great to hear you and Ben on that podcast. Also, the unfiltered nature of the takes on that podcast mm. and just the the slander and insults being thrown at professional <laughs> basketball players is really remarkable. Um, so I, I'm with you if you aren't. It's a benefit of the subscription yeah. space. We yes, don't we don't yes. run the risk of like getting really at, called out, at, and so yes. we're able to have at a little no bit point, more fun. At no point have I regretted subscribing. Uh, so please subscribe to Greatest of All Talk. Please keep your emails coming in uh, to Open Floor Open Floor Mail at Gmail Sharp, I'm sure I'll be texting you something way too hot for a podcast soon. <laughs> uh, until then, thank you, buddy. Awesome, man. This is great. I can't wait to do it again. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 